I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, prayer can be kind of confusing to me. Like how prayer works, what I have to do, what's going on behind the scenes. Like what is God doing when I pray? And so like if you talk to different people, they all kind of pray different and look at it different and have different experiences. Some people are really pumped about prayer. Like you know that person who like you're talking to and every time you see them at school, they're running up to you and like, man, I prayed about this thing and it happened and like this crazy thing happened and God came and like there were like lightning and like angels came down and it was crazy and it was awesome. And you're like, whoa, how does that happen every time you pray? That's awesome. And then you walk over here and you meet, meet another Christian and they're like, Oh man, God never answers my prayer. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, and then it's like totally different experience for them. And sometimes I just kind of like try to sort it all out in my head. And I wonder like, God, what's going on behind the scenes when I get on my knees and I've come before you and I pray for something? Like, what are you actually doing? What's my part in praying? Is it something where God's just going to do it anyway? So like, why do I even need to pray if he's like all powerful and he's going to do his own thing? Why do I even need to ask him to do what he's already going to do? Or is it this thing where I need to like work really hard and then basically I'm praying and it's happening and now I'm like trying to take God's place. And so I have this like, this question sometimes in my head trying to balance out like what exactly is prayer? Because it's an important thing, isn't it? Like everything about the Christian life that we hear is the two main things, right? Read your, read your Bible and what? Pray. That's always like the Sunday school answer. It's always the thing that we're supposed to do. That's how you grow with Jesus is you read your Bible and you pray. But most of us, if I were to poll you right now, take a census and say, hey, listen, guys, what does prayer do? How does it work? How many of you would have a solid answer to give back to me about prayer? Probably not many of us. If any of us, we'd be like, well, I mean, I do it. And so I've found myself if I, as I've kind of thought through prayer and getting ready for this passage and over different times in my life, like this has been like a lifelong pursuit, trying to figure out like, what does prayer do? What is this thing? And John tonight, as we're still walking through our series in first John, he's going to talk about prayer. And he's going to say some really big, tricky things tonight. And I'm just going to say right up front, some of this stuff I don't understand. Sometimes we get to places of the Bible and we just have to go, God, I don't fully understand exactly what you're saying here, but I choose to trust you and obey you in what you say. And we're kind of at one of those passages tonight, but we're going to wrestle with it. We're going to grab a hold of it. We're going to try to figure out what God's trying to tell us through here, because there are some things here that he makes very clear. And those are the things I want to focus on tonight, the things that are so clear that he's saying in this passage. Does anyone know who Hudson Taylor is? Have you ever heard the name Hudson Taylor? Anybody? A few of you are like, she's really cool, isn't she? That was a trick because it's a guy. I just want to see if you're lying or not. Yeah, I know who she is. Yeah, she's great. She, she makes like maple syrup. No, that's not Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor is this missionary to China, and uh, he took over this hospital when he went to China. And... At first, he was like, I'm not sure I should take over this hospital. I don't know. He was, he was praying about it. And um, it was like, an, it was being left kind of like with no money. It was a situation where he's like, are we going to have money to even help all these patients that are coming in? And how are we going to be able to finance this? And so right away, as God was moving in his heart to take this thing over, he said, I'm going to do something right from the beginning. Like right from the get-go, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray like crazy, like I've never prayed before. I don't know how we're going to get money. I don't know how this thing's going to stay afloat. I don't know what we're going to do with all of these patients in these medical beds. I don't know. Money's going to run out soon. 
But I know from the beginning, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to trust if God's leading me to this, I'm going to keep begging him to do it. And so that's what he did right from the beginning. He began to pray and pray and pray. And the funds got lower and lower and lower until finally he gets that call from his cook. And his cook says, hey, listen, I need you to know something. I'm trying to feed all of these people here. And I just opened up the very last bag of rice that we have. This is the last one. There's no more. Once this thing's gone, we can't feed anybody. And Hudson Taylor's like, man, I've been praying, and I've been praying, and the money keeps getting lower, and now we're running out of food, and we're on our last bag of rice. And so what does he do? He keeps praying. (laughs) And he goes, and he just gets on his knees before God, and he starts to pray. And just as that bag ran out, someone, a courier, because this is way back in the day, shows up like at the hospital with with like a package, an envelope. And in that envelope was a letter and money. And it was from this guy named Mr., I think you pronounce it, Burger. I'm going to say Burger because I like burgers. It might have been like Berger or something like that. I don't know. But Mr. Burger sends him this check, and his father had just passed away. And his dad had a lot of money, and so he had inherited this money and said, here's this check, which was like a crazy amount of money. Crazy amount of money. He said, man, I've just been looking for a place to like kind of use this money for something worthwhile. And I thought of this place and I decided to send it to you. And I'm actually, do you, could you even use it? And if you can use it, like, could you use something like I'm trying to support someone like every month? I'd like this to be like an ongoing thing. And Hunter Taylor's just like, what? <laughs> He's like, no way. Like, this was so awesome that this came in right at the right time. So of course I can use the money. Just give me that check and send me some more, right? And so one thing I looked at is in his life was just the timing of God. Like, he, here, if I were Hudson Taylor, this is how it would have gone. Man, God, where are you? God, come on now. We're on our last bag of rice. Did you forget us about us down here? Hello? I'd be ticked off at God. I'd be yelling at God. I'd be like, God, what's going on? I've been praying faithfully. Don't you care? Have you heard anything I've said up to this point, God? I don't know if I would have kept on my knees those last couple days thinking, man, we're, we're on our last piece of rice right now. That dude over there is eating it. Like, we're done. But here he is Hudson Taylor, and he's on his knees before God going, I started this in prayer. I'm going to end in prayer. And then look at God's timing. He didn't show up right at the beginning where everything was easy, and Hudson Taylor didn't have to grow at all in his faith. See, that wouldn't have taken any faith at all. Hey, God, can I have this? Boom, door, knock on the door. And that happens sometimes. I've heard stories of God doing that. But how cool that in this instance, he grew Hudson Taylor's faith that he knew he was going to need later and waited and waited in God's perfect timing. He might not be when you want him to, but he's always on time. You ever heard that? And here, that's an example in his story of this missionary. And you guys could probably shout out like a thousand different stories on the mission field where you've heard people be supported by God through prayer in awesome ways. But I have to admit, okay? in light of a huge, awesome, great story like that and all these other ones, that's not always my prayer life. That's not always my story. I don't often act like Hudson Taylor. I don't often pray like Hudson Taylor. I don't often show that type of faith like he does in that instance. And so if I were just to be honest with you guys tonight, as we come to talk about prayer, I need to admit that to you. But there's times in my life where I'm just not sure that that's the type of faith I show. 
And I'm still struggling with this thing of prayer and how that thing works and, and what it means to just pray to the last moment until God finally shows up. And so I'm struggling with this passage, probably with many of you tonight, as we look through this and learn what it means to really trust God in prayer. And so, if you guys aren't there yet, I don't even know if I told you where to go, but it's 1 John, if I didn't say earlier. Chapter 5, we're in verses 13 to 17 tonight. And John's going to hit this topic of prayer, so let's read it. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we've asked of Him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that don't lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I don't say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. And so as we look right away, the first thing John says is basically the reason why he wrote this whole letter to us that we've been studying over the last couple months. The letter of 1 John was written by, by John so that we would know something. He says, I write these things to you. Here's my purpose. And it's to certain people, right, who believe in the name of the Son of God. He's talking to people who at least profess to believe in Jesus. And his goal is that in this big crowd of people who profess, yes, I believe in Jesus, that we'd all be able to walk away and say, yeah, for sure, I really do. My faith is genuine. It's not just something I'm saying. It's not just something people want to hear, so I say it for them. It's not because my parents raised me to say it. Because I really, truly believe that Jesus is alive today. I believe it with all my heart. And so this group of people, his desire for them and for us as we read it, is that we'd be able to leave going, yes, my faith is genuine. I truly believe this thing. When he's talking to a group of people that think, yeah, maybe I believe in Jesus. And so... The thing that he says here is, here's why I'm doing it. Are you ready? That you may know that you have eternal life. Do you hear that? That you may know that you have eternal life. You ever thought about eternal life before? I mean, beyond just like the churchy stuff and like what you do in Sunday school or like maybe Bible class if you have one of those. Like eternal life, have you thought about how long that is? Just think for a second. Like, think through. I'm going to live forever with no end picture that in your head picture no end picture forever right you're like trying so hard eternal life life that doesn't end and the more i think about it the more crazy i go and you know what that excites me like crazy because that's what god's given to us eternal life you're like that's yeah no big deal oh it's a big deal it's such a big deal that people are like, they've searched for the fountain of youth. You ever heard of that? Ponce de Leon searched for the fountain of youth. Everybody was in this mad dash to Florida, where we are right now, going, hey, we want to find this fountain that we heard is over there, so if we dunk in it, we get eternal life. We stay young forever, we'll never die. They wanted to live forever. Right now, you guys could watch the Science Channel. I do all the time because I'm a nerd about that stuff. I love it. And you can watch how, like, they're taking, they're trying to, like, be able to upload your brain and your consciousness into a computer, because if it's in the computer and that's where your consciousness is, then they can give you a new body all the time. 
and just keep upgrading it. You don't have to worry about the body that you have. They're actively striving for that right now, for eternal life. So when your body dies, you don't die. If they can upload you, they could just keep iPhoning you, upgrading your iPhone. iBody, you know, like brand new iBody. That's it. And you're like, that's so cool. Why is that so cool? Because you want to live forever. You want eternal life. You know, there are people frozen in compounds all over like the U.S. and probably the world where people have died really rich. People pay a lot of money and say, hey, just as I'm dying, you freeze my body. Freeze me solid so that I'll stay preserved so that later on in the future when there's enough technology, you can maybe revive me and bring me back to life when medicine is better. And they're frozen right now. You can like look it up. They're awaiting the day they'll be revived. Why? Because they want eternal life. They want eternal life. Mankind is in a pursuit to live forever. And this whole time, this whole time, Jesus has already said, I'm the only way, truth, and life. I've already given you eternal life. I've already provided it for you. And you're searching all these other ways around it to get it yourself when I am the only way for eternal life. But have you believed it? Have you accepted Jesus? Have you trusted the only true way to get it? Then he says this, John says, that's your confidence. The fact that as you believe in Jesus, he's forgiven you and given you eternal life. That's this amazing confidence that you have. Check out the next verse. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, confidence. Because you're never going to die. Confidence because you're going to live forever. You've been forgiven. The worst the world can throw at you can't touch you because God's already beat sin and death. And so now guess what? That confidence you have, you can walk into the throne of God himself and now no longer fear that he's going to be like, sinner, boom, you're done. Like You can't be in my presence. That's what we deserve. Instead, you get to walk into his presence and he says, child, come here. He wraps his arm around you and he loves you and he listens to your requests and hears everything you bring to him. We can approach his throne in confidence, the Bible says. That's the confidence John's talking about. It's in Jesus. Here's the cool thing about prayer. I want you guys to note this down somewhere in the back of your head or write it down or something, but our confidence in prayer is in Jesus. Why do we pray? Right? That's, that's the question for tonight. Why are we praying? What does it do? Prayer takes your confidence and it places it where it should be on Jesus. Otherwise, you're going to try to freeze your body or upload your brain somewhere, or find a fountain of youth, or look for a million other things that's going to make you happy and fill that void. Where your confidence, prayer takes it and says there's only one way and it's Jesus. And it causes you to depend on Jesus. So why is it the Bible school answer, right? Read your Bible and pray, because it's what causes you to grow in Christ. As you pray, you place your faith and your trust and dependence on Jesus, and that's how you become more like Jesus. Then he says, this confidence, right, that we have toward him. Here's what prayer does. It brings you into the presence of God. The whole point of salvation is that you were separated out of the presence of God. Like you couldn't be in his presence. You couldn't experience his glory. God's like, no, we're separated. 
As you're saved, you have this confidence now. Prayer allows you to walk in to the presence of God. You know that they pulled people your age right now all across America and said, what do you think about prayer? And everybody said, it was like 90-something percent of you, your age group said, it's a farce. Like it doesn't exist. It's just fake. It's something old people do. Like nobody, your age group is starting to not believe that prayer even works. That it does anything. It's like this chant that religious people do when they go to church. Basically what they're saying is, it's just a big waste of time. i got to say that there have been points in my life where I've felt that. There have been points where I've just been like, man, God, I don't know if this even works. But I think the more I press in to what the purpose of prayer actually is, to give me confidence to walk into His throne, cause me to depend on Him more, to be able to be in the presence of God, Like I'm basking in His presence. I'm sitting at His feet when I'm praying. He's sitting there giving me His attention and listening. The God of the universe is going, I'm listening to you, Rob. (laughs) Most of us would just jump up and scream, be so excited if some movie star or some singer actually looked your way at a concert or maybe like, you know, like shook your hand or signed an autograph for some awesome football player or something. You'd be like, whoa, I got an autograph. Yeah, they know I'm alive. This is so great. But the God of the universe, the God of the universe wants to sit there and listen to you. And so many of us are like, yeah, big deal. And I think it's because we've lost a vision of who God is. We don't see how big he is anymore. That iPhone that half of you can't even take your eyes off of right now because you're playing some silly game. Sitting in the presence of God himself and you're addicted to your phone. You'd rather smash some imaginary digital fruit than look up and see the God who created everything that exists that your brain can't even comprehend. Right? We've sold out to an idol. We worship an idol. We're more excited about an idol. We give our time and our attention to an idol over the most incredible being who's ever existed who loves you and wants you to walk into his presence and say, Dad, I want to talk to you. And he's willing to listen. And the conversation's way better than Siri's going to give you, right? Like, way better. It brings us into his presence when we pray. And then John says, if we ask anything according to his will. Now, here's where it gets like crazy, crazy. If we ask anything according to his will. You ever heard the old expression like, we have not because we ask not? Like, if you just asked, you'd have it. Oh, I didn't even know I could have that because you never asked for it. And God's saying, man, come and ask me. Bring your requests before me. You're like, Rob, well, I don't pray. God didn't didn't give me nothing. Well, do you pray? Do you ask Him? Do you ask Him for the things that that you need in your life? Well, no. Why do you expect Him to answer you? 
Get on your knees and pray and start talking to him. Get in his presence. Sit in his throne. Enjoy being with him and and ask. He says, ask me anything you ask according to his will. Like This is a huge statement. This is where it's going to get crazy right now. Are you ready? Here's what prayer does. Look at that last part. According to his will. Prayer takes a broken sinner like Rob Jones who wants really stupid things. Some things I want are disgusting. Some things I want are just totally sinful. Some things I want are just ridiculous and and, and just pointless. And what God does is, He takes that, that broken will of mine that wants these things, and through prayer, He aligns it with His perfect will. Things that actually matter, that are awesome and holy and righteous and amazing and that pay off and that last for eternity. He aligns your will with His when you pray. You're like, man, I don't know. Like, I'm not growing in Jesus. I don't understand why I'm not growing closer to Him. Are you praying in a way that He can align your will to His? That's how you become more like Jesus when your will, the things you desire, start to look like the things He desires. And that happens when you pray. It happens when you read the Bible and then you say, God, help me to do these things. You read about lying and you say, God, make me an honest man. You read about sacrificial giving and you say, God, help me through your Holy Spirit to be a generous giver. You read about love and you say, God, put love in my heart so I love the people around me. You read about service and say, God, help me to be able to sacrifice and serve these people around me. You're praying and God's aligning your will with His as you read His Word and pray. And you look up and you're like, wow, I'm a lot more like God. And it's because you spent time in prayer. And the things that you're asking are starting to become aligned with His will through prayer. You're not growing in Jesus? Pray! Get on your knees and pray over the Word of God. We're in a society, right? We're in the McDonald's society, aren't we? It's like, hey, I need it right now. Hey, God, tomorrow I need a Ferrari. Can you make it like appear in my driveway? Like, because I need it tomorrow. I got a hot date. I got to go, right? And you expect it like this. I want it right away, God. And if you don't get it, what do you do? If you're like me, you complain. And you're like, God, where is this? Man, I needed it right now. Where are you? Instead of understanding that God looks at time way different than you and me. God sees the whole deal. He's like, you don't need it tomorrow. You think you need it tomorrow. I'm going to give it to you, but I see the whole timeline. And I know exactly when you need it. So just because I'm not giving it to you tomorrow doesn't mean I'm not doing it. It just means I'm doing it in the right time. You see, God knows what you need better than you know what you need. But sometimes we pray like we're telling him, hey, God, this is what you got to do. Let me, let me let you in on this. Let me give you some wisdom. God's like, I, I don't need your wisdom. I'm going to give you better things than you're asking for. You're asking for this little junk. I'm going to give you something so incredible it's going to blow your mind. But trust me. Let your prayer conform your will to mine so you'll trust me and grow in me and depend on me. Remember when John said earlier, abide in Christ and he'll abide in you? It's a journey. Prayer is this thing that you're engaging in a relationship with God where you're growing and listening and trusting. It's not this, hey, I need a hamburger right now. God, give it to me like you do to Santa Claus. You have this little request box. You stick it in and expect God to give it to you right away. It's not even really about getting what you're asking for. It's about getting to spend time with God. The request is an excuse to be with Him. 
The request is just another thing. I have the confidence to say, even if I don't get this in this life, I have eternal life. God, even if you don't heal my body and I die tomorrow from this illness that I have, I have eternal life. The prayer isn't about getting healed. The prayer isn't about getting the things I'm asking you as much as it is about I get to spend time with you in confidence that I don't really need anything in this life. I have you already. I have the confidence of eternal life, so my prayer requests are an excuse to spend time with the one I love most so you can align me to you. You make me desire the things that you want, so you make me start to pray for people's souls who don't get it, who don't understand Jesus, and I'm begging you every day that you'll save them so they can spend eternity with you. And I start to pray for things that matter and things that are eternal because my will becomes aligned with you in my confidence of eternal life. That's what prayer's about. But see, little, little broken Rob over here kept wanting to make it about like these requests, like, God, give me what I want. I need it right now. And he's like, wait, child, like, sit down for a minute. Spend some time with me. That's what prayer is about. It says he will hear us. The thing is, unsaved people don't get that. They don't get to have God listen. They don't have the right that God would listen to their requests unless they're saying, God, forgive me. I repent. Lord, save me. That's the only request God hears of them. But they don't have the right to walk in his throne and say, Lord, I have some requests for you. I want to spend some time with you. They don't get to do that. That's what you and I, if we're believers in Jesus, if we have true faith, that's what we get that most of us don't use. Most of us are too busy doing other junk that won't matter. Our sports are so exciting for us and we spend zero time with God. Our grades have to be perfect and they don't leave me time to spend with God in prayer. My friends are so much fun. I spend all my time with them that I have no time left in prayer. And these idols pop up in our lives because they're saying, I care more about these things than spending time with you, Lord. Do we really care about spending time with Him? Are we willing to move our stuff around in our lives and our schedules and the things we care about to say, you're it? Like, I can't do that tomorrow. I'm not asking you to do it tomorrow. Neither is He. He's saying, take a step. Take a step and pray. And then every time you take that step, he's going to align you more and more to that. So he does become the most important thing to you. And he'll start to take those idols and pull them out, rip them out, and show you the thing that matters the most. And you do it by praying, by spending time with your God. It gets even trickier. Are you ready for this part? It gets even trickier. He says, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we've asked of Him. Now this is crazy because that sounds like if I ask Him anything, He's going to do it. So if I prayed right now that I became Superman, like I just want to be able to fly God, and I pray it that He hears me, and if He hears me, I know I have it. And so basically what I'm reading here is that I should be able to be Superman like now because I want to fly. Like, isn't that what that looks like here? But then I think, wait a minute, Jesus, the Son of God, is telling us how to pray in His model prayer. You guys remember that? In the Gospels, he teaches us the model prayer. And what does he say? But not my will, but yours. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wait, that God's will be done? 
And then fast forward a little bit, and Jesus is in the garden, he's on his knees, and he's sweating blood out of his forehead. Because he's about to be crucified, and he's praying to God, and he's like, God, listen, if you can just make me not have to go to the cross. Let this cup pass from me. Just don't make me go to the cross. That's his request. Then he follows it with, but not my will. Let your will be done. And that's Jesus. So I'm trying to take that and I'm trying to balance it out with what John's, it sounds like John is saying here, like I can get anything I ask for, but then even Jesus was like, I don't want to go to the cross. And I see a common phrase. That God's will be done. God, align my my will with yours. And I start to see the purpose of prayer. God does care about your requests. He does. Bring your request to Him. But understand that it's not about your request as much as it is about spending time with Him. About having your will aligned to His. Because if you start to look at your request that way, you start to develop your own little idol and you're lifting it up to God saying, God, make this my idol. God, you better give this to me because I want it more than you. Instead of saying, God, if you decide to, if it's good for me, do it. But here's what I'm truly praying for. I'm praying your will be done. See, all the things Jesus asked for, what he was really praying for after he followed every one of those sentences was, your will be done. Your will be done. He was praying that God's will be done. That's the request of prayer. We get to tag other things in there, but the true request of prayer is, God, let your will be done. That's what we pray for. Even Jesus, man, it's so exciting that Jesus is our greatest example in prayer. Through his his, uh, crucifixion and resurrection, God, let your will be done. Then he says this, You ready for this part as he closes? He says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that don't lead to death, we should pray for our brothers and sisters who are in sin. If you have this confidence of prayer and you can walk into the throne of God and say, Lord, I need to ask you for something and you know you can ask for anything, here's what he says you should do. You should love the people around you who are in sin. Now, notice he doesn't say, when people around you sin, here's what you should do. You should gossip about them. That'll teach them. Gossip like crazy. They'll learn their lesson. It doesn't say, hey, go tell your pastor, and your pastor can call him into a meeting, and then he can meet with them and correct him and really give it to him good, and then they'll learn their lesson. It doesn't say any of these other things. What it says is the first thing you should do if you see people around you that you love, your brothers and sisters in Christ sinning, is pray for them because you have a confidence and a power in prayer. We should be asking God that He take these these people who love Him, who have faith in Him, who have been freed from sin already but are making mistakes, that He would pull them back in and, and, and rid them of that sin. I remember I had a buddy when I was growing up, one of my best friends. And him and I, man, we went to church together. We were in Sunday school together. We hung out all the time. And uh, he started playing football, and I didn't. I did soccer, he did football. 
And um, when he started playing football, he started getting around some dudes that all they cared about was the size of their muscles and the number of girls they slept with. They were always doing drugs. They were drinking. They didn't care. They were the baddest dudes around, and they knew it, and nobody could tell them any different. And he started to hang out with these people, and the football scene started to kick in, and he started to just act like them and go to the parties with them and hang out with the girls in the ways that they did and do all these things that they were doing. And I noticed, and he stopped coming to church, and he stopped hanging out with us, and I noticed what was going on in his life, that sin was starting to creep back in on him. I didn't know what to do because he was my best friend. I wanted him to love Jesus, and I knew he did, but I just watched sin start to slowly destroy him. He got addicted to all this stuff. So I said, I don't know what to do, so I just start praying. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I got other people to pray, and I asked my youth pastor what to do, and he's like, pray. And I'm like, I'm doing that. So he's like, I'm going to pray with you. So we started praying for this guy, and I'm not going to tell you that the next day, all of a sudden, he was just like freed from this. Like Two years went by. Nothing. And every night, I'm just praying for that. I mean, I was just broken for him. I'd go to God at night, and I'd cry, and I'd be like, Lord, what are you, what's going on? After about two years, my parents came up, and we were living in West Palm Beach at the time, and they told me, they're like, hey, we're moving back to Massachusetts. I was like, the first thing I thought of was, but Justin, like, this student, not that Justin, another Justin. I was in, like, fifth grade. Uh, I was like, no, like, no, I was in high school. This guy, like, he needs me, is what I thought. A little did I know he didn't need me, he needed God. I was like, God, you can't, you can't take me away. Like, I'm the only solid influence in his life. I'm the only one praying for him. I'm the only one telling him not to do these things. I'm the only voice of reason in his life. Like, you can't do that. And little did I know that God was the one in charge. And so I kept praying and I kept praying and sold our house and got closer and closer to time to move. And all I could think about was like, man, he's going to wreck his life. He's going to end up going to the hospital and dying from some drug overdose. And I remember finally got the date that we were actually going to pack up and move, and it was only a couple weeks away. And there was this youth retreat going on in West Palm, and I, I just I took a stab in the dark. It was like, man, I know you don't like church anymore. I know you don't like to hear about this God stuff or preaching, but will you just go with me? I'm, I'm moving. Like, I played the moving card. Like, I'm moving. It's the last time to hang out. Will you just go with me? And he agreed. To my surprise, he agreed, and we go to this youth uh, conference. And as we're there... And it was awesome praise and worship, and he's just standing there like this. Just didn't care. Everybody else has got their hands up, they're jumping, they're like shouting out to God and singing. This is like the coolest experience to like hear people yelling out to Jesus, and he's just like hating it, like hating every second of it. The pastor gets up, the speaker gets up and starts to talk, and he's talking about like forgiveness and brokenness and things pastors usually talk about, right, in the gospel and all these things, and I'm just thinking like, man, this was a waste of time. God, what are you doing? I've been praying and praying. So I look over. All of a sudden, I look over, and everybody's sitting, seating, and this is a big dude I'm sitting next to. Somehow he like crouched down on the aisle in between the chairs, and he's just sobbing on the ground. Just a big mess of dude just down there crying and 
freaked me out at first. I'm like, what? <laughs> what happened? Like, I was almost embarrassed. Like, people are going to look, dude, get up. Like, I don't know what to do. And I realized what was going on. Later, he said that he had heard what the pastor was saying about just like chasing after things that don't matter. Chasing after things that don't matter and then talking about how much Jesus loved him. And as he, laid, as he sat on the floor bawling his eyes out, he was just crying out, God, forgive me. And God doesn't always do that in our timing, but I got the privilege. God was good enough to me to let me see that and experience it before I left to be able to see this guy get up and turn his life around. God calls us to pray for people like that and to love them and to trust that he'll do something, not gossip about our friends who are in sin, not critique them, not point our finger in their face and judge them, not join them in their sin but to pray that God would pull them out of it. But there's a tricky phrase. You see it, this last phrase here? There's sin that leads to death. I don't say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that doesn't lead to death. John pulls out this like comparison between sin that leads to death and sin that doesn't lead to death. And he says, pray for the sin that doesn't lead to death. But I'm not telling you to pray for the sin that leads to death. And at first, as I read this over and over and over again, I'm like, what on earth does that mean? That I shouldn't pray for people who are going to die and go to hell? And I finally realized the difference. In light of his whole letter, talking to people that claim to be followers of Jesus, but some just don't have that true faith, and some are false teachers, what he's saying here is that as your fellow believers in Jesus are sinning, pray for them because they have life. God's made them alive. They shouldn't be stepping back into death and dabbling in sin. Pray for them. But someone who doesn't, someone who's just dead, still in sin, and has never been given life by Jesus, and who's never been saved, when they sin, their sin is just death because they're dead. So if you pray, hey, Joe doesn't believe in you, Jesus, but help him to stop lying. Like, it's not the lying that's as big of a problem that Joe has, is the fact that he doesn't even know Christ as his Savior. His sin leads to death. Don't judge people that don't know Jesus and expect them to act like they love Jesus. You know, instead, what we should pray for those people? God, give them life. I have friends who don't believe in you, I have friends who don't have eternal life. I have friends who are so in love with their party scenes and their. All this sin in their life. That's all they think about and care about. God, will you help them? Will you give them hope? Will you help them to find Jesus and give them life because their sin leads to death? They don't know you. Do you pray for your friends? Do you pray for the people in your lives that are committing sin? that don't know Jesus. You know that Hudson Taylor story I told you about at the beginning? He wasn't always this like super spiritual dude who had his prayer requests always answered. He was a bad teenager. Hudson Taylor was into all sorts of just terrible things as a teenager. Mom and dad were believers, and they were freaked out for him. They would watch him do these things, and he'd come home, and, and, and they were just broken over his, his sin. His mom was just, she was a firecracker. This woman, she finally said, God, I'm, I'm just telling you what's up because I need to pray for my son. She goes away, about three hours away to some family's house. 
And she goes to this house and she locks herself in one of their rooms and she kind of just tells God, I'm not leaving the room until you save my son. And she locks herself in there and she fasts and she prays and she's like, I'm not leaving until you save him. I don't know if that's theologically correct or not. Like, I don't even know. But that's what she did. And she goes and she locks herself in this room and she just starts praying. Meanwhile, Hudson Taylor's back home. Crazy teenager. Bored at home. His dad's at work. He doesn't know what to do. He goes into his dad's library. They didn't have TV and stuff back then. That's books. He finds this track. You know what a track is? It talks about the gospel. It's like this little um, like pamphlet thing. And so he starts going through and he's like, the beginning's always going to have a sermon. I don't care about that. I don't want to be preached at. I don't want to have anything to do with that stuff. But there's usually like cool stories at the end. So I'm going to read back in the, the back part of this track. He starts reading the story just for entertainment. He's bored out of his mind. And as he reads it, he comes up to these words. It says, it is finished. And it's talking about the work of Jesus was already done, that he didn't have to do anything. That he didn't have to make himself better. He didn't have to try to like follow some rules. Jesus already did all the work. He sees it is finished, and it just pops in his head how much Christ loves him, that he would die on a cross for him to do all the work. And this rebellious jerk of a teenager who wouldn't listen to a word that his parents tried to teach them of the Word of God, Sitting there, reading some track he didn't really want to read, accepts Jesus right there. His mom says, three hours away, no telephones, no way to communicate, felt this peace come over her. And somehow she knew, she said, I knew God just told me that my son's accepted Jesus. She gets up, she unlocks the door, she leaves. She's like, where are you going? She's like, he accepted Jesus. I'm like, how do you know? She's like, I just know. God told me. She takes off, she goes back to the house, and she walks in, and he's in the house, and he sees her, and she's like beelining for him, and he's like, what's up? And she's running up to him and hugs him. And all he said that he could, he could say to her was, how did you know? How did you know? God told me. And that's when she shared, I've been praying for you for the last couple of days. I've been locked in a room begging God to do this. Don't give up in prayer. I don't know where you are. Maybe you've never tried it. Will you pray? Will you take that first step and pray and spend some time with God? He wants to spend time with you. Maybe you've prayed and you didn't get the answer you wanted, so you gave up and you said, man, this doesn't work. Can I just encourage you? It's about spending time with Him that's going to be way, way greater than anything you could ever ask for. And along the way, He's going to answer some prayers that are going to blow your mind. But you've got to spend time with Him. You've got to ask. You've got to be in His presence. The goal is that He takes your will and He aligns it with His so you can be more like Him. Will you close your eyes for just a second? Some of you guys are like here and you're thinking, you're listening to all this stuff. You're like, I have no clue what you're talking about and how prayer works. But I just wonder if you've met Jesus before. If you know who Jesus is. If you've ever heard that you're a sinner and you have sin that keeps you separated from God. And that if you place your faith and your trust in Jesus, He will forgive you of that sin. He'll make you right with God and He'll give you eternal life. And if that's you tonight, you're like, man, I've never done that, but I want to be forgiven. 
I want to have eternal life with my God. Will you do me a favor? Will you just raise your hand up in the air so I can see that's you and pray for you? I'm not going to ask you to move around. I just want to be able to pray. If you just slip your hand up, that's me. Like, I want to know Jesus. I want to have that relationship you're describing with God. Can you just slip your hand up in the air for me? And if you're here tonight and you're like, man, I haven't been praying. But I want to start. I want to have a prayer life, a relationship with God. But I haven't done it yet, or I need some help with it. Rob, will you just pray for me as I, as I start to pray and I start to have this relationship with Jesus in a, in a deeper way? Will you slip your hand up if that's with you? Like, I need some help in my prayer life. Will you pray for me? You just raise your hand up and say, that's me. I got my hand up. So every one of you is way more spiritual than me tonight. That's awesome. <laughs> pray for me then. Okay, the three of us that have our hands up, the rest of you are just rocking out prayer, and I'm really glad for that. Pray for us, because we need it. Maybe you're here tonight, and you're like, listen, I see you guys' hands, thank you. You're here tonight, and you're like, my, my life isn't right. I'm that one you're describing that keeps running off into the sin, and I need help with that. I got some idols in my life. I got my phone and, and pornography and this significant other that I have, or this sport, and just all these other things that are my idols. I want God to free me from that so I can just follow Him. Rob, will you pray for me for that, that I'd be freed from these things? Do you have the courage tonight just to raise your hand up so I can pray for you? Just pray that I get freed from some of this junk in my life I don't want anymore. I want to follow Jesus. Will you raise your hand? Thank you. Let me pray for us right now. God, you saw the hands that went up. You saw the hearts that responded. Saw way more than I ever could. Jesus, we trust you that as we pray right now, as we come as a group into your presence and spend time with you, God, that your will is bigger and better than ours. Will you honor these requests that are aligned to your will? Will you help us live for you? God, cause us to love you more than everything else in our lives. Save those who need to be saved, Jesus. Show them whether or not they have true faith and call them to saving faith. We love you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen.